Ground control to Major Tom. A ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. And while you're at it, eat a few ears of corn. It's awesome space food. On today's show, we discuss deep space ventures and their connection to blockchain. Jaden Sage is one who knows about these kinds of things. As usual, our questions are unprepared and unscripted. And sometimes the questions are great, and sometimes they're just okay. But Jaden's answers and insights are fantastic, and there's a lot of laughter. But since we're not as funny as we think we are, you're not allowed to laugh. Just allow the milk, coffee, or adult beverage of your choice to come out through your nose if you feel the urge but don't laugh. We welcome you to join us in deep space as we head to infinity, infinity and, beyond and beyond for episode number 589 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's bad? Ground control to Major Tom. Ten. Nine. Commencing countdown engines eight, on. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Check ignition and may God's love be with you. This is Joel Tom on Bad Crypto. That is Travis Wright. And we just read a couple two-star reviews. Last episode, it was for Ramadouche. <laughs> he doesn't think we're funny as we are. You know what? I just know that we make each other laugh. And that's right. I mean, we have. That's hang why out. we decided to do a show. <laughs> we, like we're having all these crypto chats and laughs that maybe somebody might want to listen to them. Yeah. And maybe they think it's funny and maybe they don't. And maybe they get their panties in a twist because we don't just talk about crypto because so much more is connected with crypto. It's not just about moon boys and NFTs, gang. It's about the world changing. It's about liberty. It's about freedom. It's about autonomy. Bitcoin was created out of the fallout from uh, from Wall Street collapsing in what, 2009, 2010, 2008, right? 2008. Yeah, whenever well, it, was it was when it started happening, it was like 2008. Remember, it started crumbling at the last part of Bush administration. Then Obama came in and then it was really crumbly. Mm -hmm. And then they started um, crumbling it even further. And then until yeah. it was all crumbles. And then I didn't even have any crumbs left. I like a little crumbles, you know, on top of my mac and cheese. That's like oh, really good, yeah. like bacon crumbles or just like bacon crumbles, bread crumbles, crunchy crumbles. Mm -hmm. I made some crumbles. pizza uh, yeah. yesterday yeah. and uh, or the day before. And I add so I always like to take like the frozen pizza, but then like Travisify it. And then I'll add more pepperoni. I sliced up some mushrooms, added those, added some onions. And then I added a, a copious amounts of cheese and then I put bacon crumbles on the top and then I baked it. And oh my God, it was like, the, it's so good when you just add the fresh stuff on top of the other one. And uh, it was magical. I added Tra crumbles. Travis's Pizza now with more crumbles in your frozen mm -hmm. section at your local grocery store. Oh yeah, you get a DiGiorno's, like the uh, croissant crust, and then you build upon it. And I build my little stuff. I've never had a croissant sections. crust. They do that never. now? Oh yeah, those, 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 uh, yeah, they have this, they have croissant crust and they're really good. This episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast brought to you by DiGiorno. It's not delivery. 
It's DiGiorno. Yeah, it's a yeah, you can't. There's very little delivery here in Puerto Rico. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're glad that you're here. Once you go bad, you never go back. You're stuck here with uh, for with us forever. Duck, duck going stuff. So you do not have to. Our show sponsor for this episode is the Brave browser. Go download it. Brave.com. You should not be using Google Chrome. They're spying on you. They're using you. They're taking advantage of you. They are selling you to the highest bidder. There's no reason to stick with Google Chrome. Get the Brave browser, brave.com and protect your privacy online. It's a step in the right direction. Anyhow, step in the right direction. Also a step in the right direction. Yeah. Here with Jaden Sage, you're going to love this one. And uh, do we have any more things to say before we say things? You've said it all. I said it all. Here we go. Last off. While in Miami for the North American Bitcoin Conference, I was invited to one of the many parties that were taking place there. This one was put on by Michael Turpin, a friend of the show. And while there, I made some more friends. And one of the friends that I made is today's guest, who is a Wall Street mathematician, has been in the blockchain space since 2011, a total OG, and is now exploring space. The final frontier by investing in deep space ventures. His name is Jaden Sage. He joins us now from wherever he is in the world. I'm assuming not space. Jaden, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Travis. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. Are you on the space station now? Or are you out? Boop. I'm in deep space because yeah. uh, where our mind is is where we are. Oh, I was gotta say, I gotta say, I don't say how I know this. But when your name Jaden Sage, it kind of sounds like a porn star name. And then you go to the website where all the porn is. There's just one. Is Jaden James, Jaden Marcos, Jaden Lee, Jaden Star, Jaden Cole, Jaden Black. So you have a verified porn star name, my dude. So that means I'm I'm uh, I'm the porn version of space and blockchain, right? <laughs> well, I mean, space is all about getting it up there so i suppose that that's <laughs> <laughs> and i'm bummed uh dude really nice to know you and super kind of you to come on the show this is a topic you know we're going to talk nfts we're going to talk about DeFi and metaverse and we're going to talk about space and and this is uh space in particular is not a topic that we have yet broached on this show in four and a half years. And that's why I'm really eager to hear what you're into and what your thoughts are on the uh, the future of the industry. But uh, before we start, why don't you go ahead and give us like a Reader's Digest version of your background, how you got into crypto and you know what you've done. Sure, so uh, I started on Wall Street. Uh, when I was in school, I finished school early because I I was supposed to be a proverbial doctor at 19. So I got out of college at 19. I went to You're Wall Doogie Hauser. Yeah. So like, you know, that was the aspirations my parents had. But I broke their hopes and dreams when I said, you know, I don't want to be beholden to 300 people and carry like a, you know, pager or something to them. So I went to Wall Street and it wasn't a uh, and, you know, it was all about money, you know, so I didn't feel happy, probably because I was 19. I split. I left and I had a great job, but I left. And then I was on my own and somebody sent uh, me Satoshi Nakamoto's paper, white paper, and I read it. And they were like, listen, why don't you make heads or tails out of this? This was like late 2010, 11, somewhere around the beginning of 11. 
And I, and I told him what it's all about and he didn't do anything about it, but the paper stuck with me because not just because there's an application called Bitcoin, but primarily because of the decentralization component and all of the value that that brings. So then I started seeking out other like-minded crazies and there were very few and they were quite crazy back then. So it was kind of a strange place, but uh, you know, I stuck with it. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, back then we never thought that the space would accelerate and become what it is today. We were like, okay, 20 years from now. So we're way early. And then, you know, 2017 happened and then, you know, 2021 happened. So here we are now blockchain is uh, a, one of the preeminent industries and uh, we are still early, believe it or not. Mm. And now 2022 is going to happen or it's happening. So it's so exciting. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, you, you hit something when you were talking. It was so hard to find kindred spirits around crypto in the early days. So much so that I, 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 I dipped my toe in. I'd ask the smartest people that I knew. None of them seemed to get it. Then I, all right, I'll get back out. 2013, I dip back in. Hey, crypto, is this good? None of the smartest people. I was working with people in Silicon Valley. None of these people were getting it. They're the ones that I was talking to. I'm like, dude, you're some of the smartest people. I, how are we? Crypto, this Bitcoin just must not be a thing. It must not be is what I think it's going to be. And it was very discouraging when you don't find any crypto buddies. And so when you do finally find, I finally found my soulmate crypto buddy, Mr. Joe Com, in 2017. And here we are. Kumbaya. So, so I, I got a little story that will put uh, exactly what you're saying into context. I did a, I did a startup called Legifly back in the day. This is like 2013, which was to title untitlable or untitled assets on the blockchain, like expensive watches, cards, and everything. So predecessors of what uh, NFTs are today in colored coins, if you remember what colored coins are. So, uh, so I did that, and I and I did the entire pitch for some Wall Street investors that I knew from my Wall Street days. And I thought it went really well. Afterwards, the predominant message I got back was this, and I quote, they said, Jaden, you have a good name in the industry. Why do you want to ruin it with this Bitcoin garbage? Unquote. <laughs> so that's the type of tidal wave of resistance we were feeling back in the day. Do you remember who those people were and what they're saying now? Did you ever go back to them and say, here is a plate of crow. I would like, I deep fried it for you to eat. No, you know what? I think they bypassed all of that and went straight to Jaden. Can you help us? Can you do this? Can you do that for us? So they just bypassed that entire portion and went straight to, can you help us? <laughs> yeah, that that's not unusual. People, you know, from my past are messaging me all the time. And I, and I got in, I don't consider that I was you know, not early, like you were early, we got in in 2017. So it yes, it's still early. So I guess, you know, 2010 to 2013, I would consider the true OG 2013 to 2017, right? If you got in before the bull run of 2017, you're like layer two OG. If you got in <laughs> after two. that till now, you're, you're like medium, layer three. You're medium G. Yeah, you're medium now G. Now there's a newbie G's. Because, yeah, because we're, we're not, we haven't even begun mainstream adoption yet. It's still, you know, all so early. So when did you go all in? You know, when did you like, what was your, your first big move in the space? 
So, um, I mean, I was just doing, when I left Wall Street, I, I just started a real estate fund and I was just doing my own investments. And then when I got into the Bitcoin space, I just started slow accumulating. Now, remember, a lot of people think that, oh my God, if you got in back then, you must have bought, a, you know, like a shit ton of coins, right? Reality is that we were just coming out of the Great Recession. So majority of people in Bitcoin space were looking to build revenue models, not accumulate coins. So they weren't just going there and making it rain money and buying coins. They were trying to find a new way to make money because of uh, everything that just happened in the previous year. So that was that. And then I just continued doing my own thing. After Ledgerfly, I was like, okay, this damn thing is way too early, you know, time to like just chill and see where it goes. And then in 2017, with the ICO craze, I was actually in Europe on a sailboat with some friends and my phone started going off, uh, ringing off. And it was one of my friends, he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Europe at this time. That's where I'm at. And he's like, you got to get on a plane and you got to come to New York. I'm like, get out of here. I'm on a boat. I'm not going to dock the boat. He's like, no, no, you got to come. I'm like, okay, whatever. Click. Then I get another call. And the same same thing from another friend. Then another friend, I'm like, damn, something's happening in New York. I got to get back. So when I got back, it was chaos. You know, like ICOs were happening. People were asking me to uh, start advising companies and advising, uh, speaking at universities just to get everybody up to speed on blockchain. So that that for me was the big, you know, uh, tsunami of getting into this space. What year was that? 17. Yeah. So right before... <laughs> Which is when, you know, we st it just so happened we started the podcast in summer of 2017. Bitcoin, I think I bought my first Bitcoin around 1800 um, and it wasn't a whole Bitcoin. And then, you know, we just rode the roller coaster, uh, the tidal wave, the tsunami that then hit. And now looking back at that, it's funny to see on the charts how that's such a small bump on the charts compared to where we are now. And that leads me to believe that three years from now, we're going to look back at the 69K all-time high, and you'll barely be able to see the 20K bump on that chart. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it keeps moving up. Like, think of a stock that you bought at 80 bucks and then moves to 800. Would you say that that's a good investment? Like, that, that was a good play. You bought it for 80 and you sold the stock at 800, right? Like, you're the king. You did well, good. it's pretty good if you 10x stuff, but when you're in the crypto world, 10x just ain't good enough. You got 100x that shit, 1,000x that shit. You're like, oh, yeah, I 10x something. 10x happens every day if you pick the right coins in crypto. Like, seriously, yeah. it's like you, you pick the right shit coin on the right day, and those things, you, you, you find at least one coin normally each day that goes up 1,000%. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So back in the day, people didn't think that way. So when I bought, uh, I had... The reason why I brought that up is because I sold a thousand Bitcoins at 800 that I had bought for 80. So, wow. you know, because that was such a genius move uh, back in right. the day. You 10x your money, dude. It's time to like take your winnings and crown yourself king. So going back to your point, each of these blips makes us feel that, okay, we're there. This is surely the top, but you're going to keep going and going. And all of these blips just seem like, you know, ad nauseum infinity. It's crazy watching the crypto roller coaster and you've been doing a lot. I want to actually go into this because you were talking about, you know, your Legify or whatever the project was when you're talking about early NFTs. Yeah. Like we were actually the first podcast to ever mention NFTs back in 2017. So I would say that we are, we are NFT OGs. Um, mm -hmm. 
about as OG as you can get with NFTs for the most part. But it sounds like you were even OG in it earlier than that with with some of your some of your thoughts. So what 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 is what's the NFT market look like to you? You had the origins of that, and and now there's this NFTification of everything. Like, well, how do you see this NFT market where it's been and where we're moving? Well, see, the, uh, this is like, you know, uh, this, this was the inevitability, you know, because uh, it had to happen. We needed better ways of titling assets. And there was a whole slew of assets. It seems like I'm doing a pitch for Ledgerfly again, but there's a whole slew of assets that never had titles. I mean, you have a Rolex at 10, 15, $20,000, and you don't have a verifiable way to know who owns it. So somebody hops it, and then you just don't know who owns it. So we needed a system that can quantify and classify and in a ledger who owns which asset. So that was a no-brainer. And the other component of this is that it's not just the physical assets, it's the intangibles where you land into the world of infinity because you're limited only by your creativity. So NFT land is going to explode in a way that nobody can even see at this point. It's almost like people walking up to the water when the tsunami is receding the water and then everybody's going to get hit because it's just, that's just the way it is when you're dealing with the, okay. So tangible products, there's a limitation on tangible products. There's only so much wood. There's only so much physical materials to go around to place titles on, right? But when you're, when you're referring to NFTs of intangible assets, IPs, you're, you're in the land of infinity. You can keep creating yachts in, in metaverses that can first sail, then fly, then go into outer space, then become submarines. I mean, you know, you're limited only by your creativity. So the NFT markets and the ecosystem will be, speaking of 10x, 100x, will be 1,000x bigger than the physical world due to the physical limitations present. Okay. Real world. So when I when we talk about NFTs, we talk a lot about collectibles. We talk about art. We talk about um, play to earn games. We talk about metaverses, and we look into the future and say, okay, it's very possible that one day your driver's license, your home title, your car deed, all of these will be NFTs. What are some other applications that I'm not thinking of outside of documents, art? and entertainment and, and let's say music because like Snoop Dogg just dropped um, a new album on gala music yesterday as NFTs and, and uh, Travis and I aped into it. What, but get us outside of that box. What are some other progressive uh, types of applications you see coming? So you mean in, in the physical or the, uh, the, the well, okay. as long as it's tied to an NFT, something yeah. that I didn't bring up. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody brings certain value. Like think of it, think of your podcast. I mean, your podcast can be an NFT because you brought on a particular guest it has that maybe been. did something. Yeah. So I mean, you know, your experiences, like imagine a tour guide who does an amazing tour of say the Egyptian pyramids and shows you something nobody else has seen. And you're like, okay, he did an NFT on it. And I want that NFT because he just discovered the new King Tut. You know, so that's something we don't capture, right? So like you literally have cameras with people who are doing some trailblazing stuff. And they're like, yo, that was done. And this is an NFT. And I had the NFT of when it went live. And it was the first time that the world saw something like that. So that's an experience NFT. So we're going to also branch out into experiences as titleable asset classes. Experiences 
as titleable asset classes. Experian FTs. Yeah, Experian FTs. Um, so how's that? How's that going to work? Like how how are you? How do you make an experience a titleable thing? So for example, um, I, I'm originally from Kansas City. I love the Chiefs. They were going to go to the Super Bowl until they blew their 21 to 3 lead. I had Super Bowl tickets, was going to go to the game this weekend and sold them. But so we're saying it's like I went to the Super Bowl and now I got an NFT from that because that proves that I was there. Is that or what what does that mean? Yeah, so it's also that, but let's say the, the winning kick for the Super Bowl, somebody captures that moment in a video clip or as uh, as just an image and turns that into an NFT. So this is like, this This is a way to capture an experience, whether it's a still experience or a moving experience where it's now become a valuable NFT. Now think about, I mean, this is going way back. They didn't exist, but like 1776, when John Hancock signed that paper and somebody snapped a picture, dude, how much is that NFT worth? I mean, you know, that's, he's signing the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so that is think uh, going all the way back there. That may not, you know, they, they didn't exist back then. But there wasn't are, cameras that, back then. Jane and Sage. Ugh. No, Joe. Bi- Joe Biden was there. He's old enough. He was exactly he, his signatures on the bottom. You just don't capture it. <laughs> oh dear God, no. Uh, so yeah, it, it's really interesting how many different things can be tokenized. That Travis and I just recently encountered a company that we are going to be working with as advisors called Melon. Dot O-O-O, and they are uh, NFTifying people's TikToks, right? So it's mm-hmm. those moments that you're talking about, those experiences that people are having, whether they're shallow, you know, experiences or whether they're meaningful, people are going to be selling these as NFTs. Um, by the way, we'll have those guys on the show in the future because it's really fascinating stuff. So I want to talk about space because Mm -hmm. you're involved in a uh, company called Celestial Ventures, investing in space by investing in you. What's what's your role in Celestial Ventures and what are they? So Celestial Ventures, uh, I'm the founder of the company and the uh, ethos uh, and general partner. So the ethos of the company is that while everybody's focusing on launch, People think launch represents space, but it doesn't because uh, think of it this way. Right now we hear names like SpaceX, Blue Origin doing this and that. So look at Earth economy. Earth economy consists of so many factors, but we use two companies as transportation, FedEx, UPS, DHL, among others. So you use these companies, but do they define our economy? No, they don't. They are a facilitator of our economy, but just one of the facilitators. So think of SpaceX and Blue Origin as uh, FedEx and DHL. They are just transporting us there. But once we're there, uh uh-oh, we're in the realm of, again, infinite creativity and what we want to do and what the resources there are and setting up nations, planets. And we're back in the wild, wild west. Remember, the more things change, the more they remain the same. The wild, wild west of space. So I guess I need to take my my six shooter, or do I need to I need to get myself one of those Han Solo laser guns? Because it's going to be crazy. I need both. both. I need both. Yeah. So so the world of space. You have you have a new pro. You have a project called Celestial Ventures, and that's you're you're doing a lot of different entrepreneurial stuff with space. 
what are some of the projects that you look into? What are the metrics or, you know, when you're identifying projects, like how do you determine what you're investing in? What does the space economy even kind of look like right now? Yeah. So the space economy is, you know, there's, there's many different components. Uh, there's about 250 companies focused on launch. So launch is oversaturated. So we definitely don't feel that launch is a place for us, although we're invested in launch. But here's the thing. There's a medium term, uh, there's a short, medium, and long uh, uh, distance horizon, if you will. So the revenue models of startups that focus on Earth look down are going to be profitable first. So think about satellite communications. Uh, They're called look down projects, which basically means if there's uh, ArcGIS, geometric improvements that can be done with data, then that helps you know, local counties to dissect land better, know who owns it, for mining rights, for all of this other stuff, and for miners to be able to find where to mine those diamonds or whatever resource that they're going after. So those type of businesses will actually see revenue faster. Then you have the medium range, which is called cis Earth cis uh, lunar, which means the space outside of the moon and outside of Earth, uh, a, a, a geo not just Leo, Geo is further out. Uh, so, so these type of environments will have space stations uh, coming up. They'll have um, movement of you know, di- different resources that are gonna be allocated. Then a little further out, you've got resource mining. So think of resource mining, we're invested in resource mining companies. So you've got, most people think, okay, we'll capture an asteroid, which was done by the Japanese, by the way, and by us in two separate ventures. So you capture this free-floating asteroid and you try to mine it. That's probably is not the most prudent way to mine asteroids. The easiest way is to go on the moon and mine asteroids for rare earth minerals because guess how those craters got there? You know, they, they got there because of the, uh, uh, all the meteorites that hit the moon. So all you got to do is go over there and pluck them. So those, those, those type of uh, ventures are where we're focused on, where... Once people get out there, then, okay, so that's the ones that we're focused on. And of course, space stations and warehousing. The Spaniards made one big mistake when they came to the, well, they made many mistakes. Uh, destroying the native cultures was the biggest. Uh, but uh, th- one of the mistakes they made is they brought a ton, like, I think it's like 146,000 tons. Uh, the number may be off, but it was a disgusting amount of silver. And they saturated the European market with, with it. So uh, our goals and our mandates would be to build stations where you, re- uh, where you keep those resources and slow filter on Earth so you don't crash the Earth economy and render your business models to shit. Right. What, know, what so if all of a sudden they discovered, you know, uh, as much gold, you know, on Mars as there is here on Earth? Right. That makes the value right. of gold go down. I'm looking at the website here and you say on here space is far more than launch. And then you have all these industries, some of which I have no idea what they even mean. Interplanetary comms, food tech. Once people are there, they got to eat. Right. Planetary mm-hmm. observations. What's happening here? We need to know what, what's happening on this planet. You've got um, advanced propulsion, lane and sector management, cadence dynamics. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, biological substrate management that this is all above my paid grade, but life support systems. I understand that. So you're looking at all of these things. All right. Hey, the, uh, the, the UPS guy just let you off the truck here. Welcome to Mars. Now what? Yeah. 
Exactly. So some of these terms, I had like they didn't exist. They exist like lane and sector management. You know, I was talking to some uh, some people who are in the uh, you know in the agencies in the U.S. and they were like, well, well we haven't thought about some of these components uh, as far as uh, managing lanes. I'm like, yeah, you know, shipping lanes exist on planet Earth. That's why you feel safe that your rubber ducks are going to go from Hong Kong to uh, California. So, you know, these type of managements will have to be occurred. We're going to have to define lanes. We're going to have to define sectors. You're, you're not going to put a space hotel where there's industrial work going on. So space will be cut up into sectors and space will be cut up, cut up into lanes where people will know that this is a lane. This is a shipping lane. This is a cars only lane. You know, on parkways, we drive cars and on highways, we drive uh, trucks. So all of that has to be classified. Remember, on Earth, we didn't have that either. Now we how, take it for granted. How are we going to, is it going to be just like, you know, conquering earths and continents that we've got these different nations that are, you know, on a land grab and they're just going to go, this is ours. You know, we, this is our side of Mars. This is ours. We were here first. Well, we're going to come and fight you for it. Right. I, the biggest conundrum is not space. The biggest conundrum is the human mind and our, our fear-based actions thereof. So when we, when we come from a place of fear, we tend to think, okay, this is mine and nobody we can share. This is one of the great things about blockchain. As you guys are well aware, outside of this space, people are not, that it's very welcoming. Nobody feels that, you know, wag me, right? We're all gonna make it. People don't feel that limitation that you see in other industries. Well, I'm not gonna share with you my knowledge or whatever. People are very open. So very collaborative. Uh, Crypto is very collaborative. NFT, very collaborative. It seems like this whole space is full of that kind of ethos where people want to share. Well, in not space, the stingy bastards have, like other industries. Right. And that in space, we're going to have the same thing for a different set of reasons, because space is so damn hard that you'll have no choice but to collaborate. Because uh, uh, if you're just going to go with your six super brains and think as a nation that you're just going to take it, uh, take over whatever and do whatever mm -hmm. you need to do, you're going to be you're, it's a folly. We're going to need the brightest minds as well as every single person on this planet to focus in those larger arenas. And hopefully we'll have less wars because people won't be constrained by borders on Earth. Here we're pushing up against each other and saying, excuse me, did you come across my line? Okay, I think I need to have a war with you. So this, these type of dynamics will disappear in space. It's like, dude, space is infinite. Just go over there and stop arguing with me, you know? Yeah, I have a question around, around space, right? So some have argued that the Earth's magnetosphere maybe is getting um, weakened. We just saw Elon Musk and the Starlink, 40 of the 49 Starlink, um satellites that were launched up into space have problems are going to be not are defective now because of a, of a solar storm of some sort and then also all the space trash that's up there you know you've had you've had different people shoot you know taking up satellites and then the chinese were just like destroying a bunch of satellites that they had up in there and then they just created all this microscopic space trash that's like hitting other you know devices that are up in space so like what is the sort of the current atmosphere of the upper atmosphere? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, the, the status of the upper atmosphere is the con uh, confines of our human ingenuity. We've run into the problem before when we dump things in our ocean thinking, ah, we'll let somebody else worry about it. You know, it's like uh, 
uh, sweeping under the rug all of your dirt, right? right? So, so it's the same type of thinking. I, I mean, uh, there's an article on orbital debris on Celestial Ventures that addresses this concern. But the problem is that this is a global concern. It's not a concern just for the countries that put the satellites up right now. It's going to affect everybody. And the only way we're going to build consensus and trust is if we start treating this as seriously as we treated nuclear weapons, where we, we needed treaties, we needed to come. Remember, right now we're putting satellites that don't have humans. Once we have space tourism and some debris hits one of those spaceships and people die, all of a sudden the attention is going to pivot and people are going to say, uh-oh, now we got to take care of our trash. So when did we actually start caring about the ocean? When the fish stock started dwindling. That's when we were like, oh, is there like a massive uh, garbage uh, continent out there in the Pacific? So this is this is how we, humans are very reactive in certain ways. And this is one of them, unfortunately. So we're going to yeah. have to work through our garbage to get out there. You want you want to get through to people, show them a photo of a turtle with a straw in its nose. And then it's like all of a sudden we uh, we all care about the environment. Um, so let's make the blockchain connection now. Connect the dots for me. How does space and blockchain live together? So uh, on a big scale way, blockchain is all about inverting the pyramid. We've lived in hierarchical societies and we've been conditioned to live under those realms. Believe it or not, a majority of your actions are not determined by you. They're determined by others because we've lived in a set of paradigms where you have a president, you have a cabinet and you everybody just says, OK, this is the new law. OK, I'll only go 55 miles per hour, even though this is a desolate road and I should be going 65. So we, we've lived under those conditions and decentralization component of blockchain facilitates the opening of people's minds to other opportunities. And hence, we're living in a world of bored apes at a quarter million dollars. Who would have thought that a JPEG would be worth a more than a house in majority How is of that America? not regressive? How is that us not moving backwards, devolving literally back to apes? <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because the thing is, we are finally freeing the human spirit. The human spirit is being freed and, and celebrated by others. Remember, a price of any asset is a function of a democratic vote to say that this is the value of this asset. So when uh, the spirit was freed and people came uh, together, they voted with their money, with their crypto, that this is valued at $250,000. So nobody forced anybody to create it and nobody forced it to others to pay for it at that value. So it's a freeing of the human spirit. The space component is the same where we free humans from these limitations on earth. Remember, you have a passport. Why do you have a passport? You live on a planet that is whole and soul owned as much by you as me and the other 7 billion people. But we go around classifying ourselves as you're Japanese, I'm American, you're Australian. Where did this come from? It came from the, uh, the, the powers that be, dissected the uh, human populations and gave them the conditioning that, okay, I rule you, somebody else rules this group, somebody rules this group. So these are the con mental conditionings that we're breaking down. Blockchain will facilitate that and space does that for the physical world blockchain does it for the mental space does it for the physical fascinating so much stuff to to unravel and, and talk about that though so 
So let's talk about this. We talked about some NFTs. We talked about space. And I know that you're real big in, in DeFi. And so, mm-hmm. you know, let's maybe talk about DeFi and how is that going to relate to the metaverse? So I, I, I've been uh, doing a lot of, as far as DeFi is concerned. I mean, you know, uh, it speaks to the Wall Street mathematician in me, uh, knowing that there is a new way uh, that uh, traditional finance can be uh, uh, upended, if you will, to have the DeFi applications. But I've been in, in, in like in like this stupor, if you will, where where DeFi going up against traditional finance is a non-starter. The reason why is because DeFi is a space that doesn't have one thing that traditional finance has in its back pocket, regulation. Regulators listen to traditional finance because that's just the way it's been. So it's kind of hard for DeFi to have a space and that's why it hasn't found its uh, foundation or its bearings or footings yet. But with the metaverse space, this is where DeFi will finally have a home and because it's an IP of non-tangible assets, which is the realm of traditional finance, tangible assets, we will be free to utilize DeFi applications across the board in any way we want without running into traditional finance and all of their regulatory hurdles that they keep setting up. But, but what if the governments of the world go, no, it's illegal to to do certain things? You know, what happens then? Does it persist anyway do the people give the big middle finger and say we'll, we'll just vpn and DeFi all we want or are enough people scared and is wall street frightened enough that crypto loses value the uh the people uh will utilize the best thing that they have their mind which they will use to say okay you want to put regulations in place, we will create new metaverses, new applications, and we will always stay ahead of regulation. And I mean, that's just the case, not just for blockchain. It has always been the case that regulations follows innovation. So as long as we keep out innovating, which I'm very confident we will collectively, that there is no way for regulation to be able to chase us in the land of infinity. They can chase us in the traditional world because there's our, there are limits but there are no limits in the metaverse space. And there you go, the DeFi can uh, run uh, and grow as much as it wants. And there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. When they build a wall, we will build a new metaverse. So here we are, 2022. In some cases, it's the worst shit we've ever seen, right, with these lockdowns and craziness. On the other side, there's like some hope. There's like, ah, decentralization can maybe take away some of the power from some of these entrenched centralized uh, systems. You know, what does the future look like to someone like yourself who is investing in space? And the future must be pretty bright to you, yeah? I think it, uh, uh, again, goes back to the way we view things. I mean, reality is not reality. Perception is reality. When you shift perception, you shift reality. We were given a physical constraint and all locked down physically, but look what happened. We all became super creative and hence the birth of the great resignation. So many people said, you know what, screw this. Now I just found another way to make money and I'm not gonna go and punch a clock for somebody. So this is a new world we're living in. We've just birthed a new world because everybody had to pause and re-examine their personal lives and our collective lives as society. So I, I think this is the best time to be alive. We, we get to make choices, the type of choices we would have never made uh, even in 2019. 
Back then, blockchain was something that was up and coming. Now people see it as a venue, not just for their own personal finances, but a way to change world. You, and you guys know this. How many people do you meet at events who are inspired by helping the world and change the world? And the, in the conversation, the concept of money doesn't even come in. They're just so lit up. Their eyes are lit up because they want to actually use blockchain to help humanity. And that's the most exciting part that we're here now finally to help humanity directly rather than indirectly by first chasing the almighty dollar and then as a residual effect, help humanity. Now we're all about helping humanity and on the side, providing self-sustenance to ourselves. You're, you're talking about the creators and the producers, right, that are leading the way. Of course, you've got the tools that are all over, you know, YouTube and Twitter that are just pumping and hyping up stuff. And they are that they're tools they are just trying to get rich off the backs of somebody else. Right. And anywhere there's money, you're going to see that, whether it's in the token space or in the NFT space, people pumping just to make money. But the people you're talking about that go to these events that speak that are actually leading the way you're right. It's not about the money. It, it is about change. And that is encouraging. It's a whole new world. And. Thank God, a better world. The whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> Jaden Sage, where can people find out more about you and connectify with you? Connectify. I like that. I've never heard that one before. We we're wordify creating. here. Yeah. Okay. We, we, we're hearing all sorts of terminologies. Uh, we're, we're empowered now. We, we can make up words left and right. People can find me on Twitter. People can just Google my name and then connect in various ways, whether they want to connect on the space side and the blockchain side. I keep these industries a little separated because they are still separated. So depending on which angle you want to come at from, from space or blockchain, there's plenty of ways to find me. That's great. I just connected with you on Pornhub. <laughs> classic, classic. Jaden so what, what Sage. What what is space gonna space and porn gonna look like? I mean, I, I, just leave that Weightless thought with sex? everybody. That's gonna be amazing. Porn in space. Can you imagine the positions you can have in space with weightlessness. You're just gonna be able to like woo and spin her around like, and we're talk about talk talk, talk <laughs> about inverting. Talk about inverting the pyramid, right? Like a whole new position. And you're going to create a whole new Kama Sutra. You won't be able to tell which side is up for your downward doggy. You know, it just, it's, it's not going to be possible. Dude, it's thanks for coming upward on. Doggy. Uh, upward, sideways, whatever, all around doggy. We got full XYZ coordinates to work on there. Man, we'll see you out there in space. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you in blockchain space and in actual space. Ooh. Wait, I just I just had a, a last minute question thought thing. If up till now space has been the final frontier and I know space is infinite, we'll never explore it all. But, you know, what will the show be a couple centuries in the future? What what will they be saying? They can't be space. The final. We're here already, dudes. What's the final frontier at that point? The final frontier is the first frontier that we've always been uh, caught in a conundrum with, which is our soul. Mm. Who does it belong to and where do right. we go thereafter? Right. right. So so Death Trek will be the, the show that they watch. Afterlife uh, Trek. Death Trek, is the, Death Trek. Trek would be the, the termination of your body. 
But if you're an infinite soul, then it means that you go go on and on forever. Right. We're just in this earth suit, this decrepit, decaying earth suit that gets paunchy and you lose your hair and all the wrong things grow the older you get. It's not fair. Think think about it this way. An astronaut actually is wearing two suits. He's wearing a space suit and he's wearing a biological suit that houses his soul. So there's two suits he's wearing. And if he had his Louis Vuitton under that, he'd have three suits. There yeah. you go. And he can use an NFT to sell that and make money and he wouldn't need the NASA job. So oh, snap. Inception. So I always call it the meat suit. It's like, here we are in a meat suit. Like we're a spiritual being having a human experience in this meat suit. That's our spaceship through through this life we're living in. So some of us are meatier than others. My meat suit is beefier. <laughs> Wendy's. <laughs> and Wendy's, baby. Wendy's and his Hanes beefy tees. You know, that's, that's, that's how it all comes together. Hey, man, thanks again for coming on. We appreciate you. Awesome. Awesome to be here. Take care, guys. Really enjoyed talking to this dude. I mean, space is so far beyond me. And, and I mean that both intellectually and metaphorically. Uh, you know, people who are building for pioneering outer space. I just like the true, you know, rocket engineers. Truly, it's it's the as you said, the final frontier, but not maybe so final anymore. Maybe there's another frontier. It's the next to final frontier space, the not quite so final frontier. Well, you know, anything off of Earth will be space. And so it is the final frontier because it's I, not I, on Earth. Well, I still would say that the final frontier is is inside ourselves, like knowing ourselves. We can go explore space, but for a human to know him or herself completely um, and thoroughly and where they came from and what their essence truly is, that that's all like that's revealed in the afterlife. Right. We're not going to have any answers. And if uh, if the atheists are right and there's nothing, well, you know, then you don't have to worry you know, <laughs> problem solved. Guess what? The final frontier is just being dead. Uh, but if those that are following some sort of spirituality are right, then uh, then there's something else to come after. You know what? I think there's so much that we don't even be, we haven't even begun to understand. There's so much. Well, this is a great time to talk. We talked about that. We we're going to mention, going to, re- you know, talk about a project that I've been working on. And it really is. It's like there's so much wisdom out there that we don't even know about. And there's a whole lot of ancient wisdom out there that a lot of people are unaware of. I've said this. This is kind of a serious thing, is that I think one of the things that really screwed us up as a civilization was the move to the Gregorian calendar, because there are 13 moons a year of 28 days. That's 364 days, Joel. That's what we should be on. And then what what uh, the Mayans did is they would have those 13 moon calendars with their with their um, uh, uh, Mayan kin characters that they had. There was 20 of them and there was 13 moons and there was 20 characters. And basically, you know, it would just continually shift. So like the Mayan calendar was like this big, huge 26,000 year clock. So whenever the, um, uh, you know, uh, December, uh, what was it, December 21st? 2012 or whatever that was the end of a 26,000 year clock that just reset so it's not the end of time it's just now it's resetting the clock well i really think that's the case there's so much i've studied egyptian mystery school stuff 
I've gone through uh, Huna, which is Polynesian ancient wisdom uh, with a with a, uh, a great kahuna, big kahuna is what they call if you're a shaman in that space. I've gone through uh, an apprenticeship in Peruvian Kulandero shamanism. I've studied Reiki, which is energy work. I've just gone down a whole lot of paths. I've done past life regression sessions. I've just gone through lots of rabbit holes just to kind of understand what's going on here more. I'm a rabbit hole searcher. I, that's why I go down conspiracy rabbit holes. It's interesting. Well, what we decided to do, our buddy, Oz Sultan, and actually he was talking to you a couple few months back, and he said, hey, man, I'm, uh, he's Oz is a great dude. He's been on the show a few times, at least twice, and he's got stage three cancer he's been battling. And we said, Joel, I think you mentioned it. You go, wow, well, maybe we could do an NFT series for you or something. And, and then I said, well, we could do a wizard set because you're the wizard in blockchain heroes. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of, kind yep. of what And uh, then that kind of evolved because I've seen there's been a lot of wizards. And I go, you know what? Let's do shamans and let's put ancient wisdom on the blockchain. And that's what we've been doing. Now, we have a website. It's called Soul Shaman. Soul means, uh, uh, in Spanish, it means sun. So solshamans.com. We were going to put this on Solana, but then Solana was hacked. Uh, they had a DDoS thing. Their, their network got super crunched, and it was just impossible to launch when we wanted to. So we redone everything, and now it's all ready for Polygon. And um, we are launching a Mint Pass on the 22nd. Um, so two, 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 and that's going to run through three, three, two, two. You can buy those mint passes at 111 Matic and which is way less than they'll be whenever we launch them on, I believe we're going to go and launch them on four, four, two, two kind of keep with these, with these numbers, things going, um, right after the, uh, the spring equinox, which is on the 20th of March, we're going to piece this all together. And these shamans are basically, from all over the world, their wisdom from all over every major area that has had, you know, wizards and witches and shamans and hierophants and magicians and just soothsayers and sorcerers and whatnot. And so all of those sort of cultures were piecing those together. And literally we had 21 artists, Joel, create over 200 renditions. That's of amazing. These it's crazy complex when it comes to generative art there's not anyone nearly as complex as this series but but yeah. here's here's the really cool part you know a lot of these sales uh the profits go directly to you know the creators mm -hmm. but in this case really wanted to do something that was going to make a difference and so let's talk about the helping dow trev yeah so we're going to be setting up the helping dow and 50 percent of the proceeds of soul shamans is going into the dow and the Soul Shamans Project has a seven-year roadmap. And what we're planning on doing is every year launching the next series of the Shamans until, and then a couple of years we'll do a few more, but then 50% of everything that we sell on the Shaman thing is going back into the vault. Then as that vault grows, we're going to be putting that into DeFi, getting yield from that, growing the value of the vault, and we're creating a staking platform for all of the Shaman NFTs. And so when the first shamans come out, um, then you have a shaman. Then in three months, around summertime, right when it turns to summer, well, my dog just went up. Hi, Tuki. Tuki, shush. Um, and then in summertime, we're going to launch the spell book. And then that's going to be free. And then once you have the spell book and the shaman, then you're going to be able to mint daily NFTs that are going to be inspirational, motivational. And those will be a little bit. But then half of that, all that money goes into the DAO. 
And that Dow vault is going to grow in volume um, and value over time. And the goal will be to then, you know, um, even take some of that, put it in, put it in DeFi, get the yield back, take some of this, maybe even invest in some Web3 and some some NFT platforms or just different projects to get that. The goal is over seven years to get this vault up to 70 to $100 million. And it's tied to two tokens. There'll be the Souls token, S-O-L-S, and there'll be the Help token. So it's basically Souls and Help. You stake your Souls, you earn some help, and then you can actually donate uh, that help to people who are in need. And we're going to have funds that get generated from this that goes into the DAO. The help tokens are going to be generated from all the staking. And uh, 50% of that, that's going to be given out to people who are in need. And, and, and the shaman holders are going to be able to nominate people who are in need. Maybe they have cancer. Maybe they have, you know, just some disaster that's happened in their life or some other disease or some hardship. They're going to be able to nominate them. And then the DAO is going to be able to vote on who gets those funds, Joel. I love it. It's a great concept. It's really going to make a difference. And uh, before the minting of the NFTs, we should have Oz on to talk about his journey and this project. I think we should have Oz and you on. Okay. I'll, I'll do the interviewing. I'll ask the questions yeah. around here. That'd be weird. Yeah. Okay. You can well, ask yourself questions. Nifty, we'll do a little nifty show where we're going in depth and showing and showcasing some of the stuff. But um, that'll be fun. Yeah, so we'll do that before sometime in, in mid-late March to do the show with Oz. That'd be great. Absolutely. By the way, if you have not yet subscribed to The Nifty Show, why not? It continues to grow in popularity and famousness. Not really a word. Fame. Uh, and if you look up on the podcast player, The Nifty Show, you'll see myself and Travis and Zach on there. And there's a couple of episodes each week. And we are following some of the best projects out there and some of the coolest things happening in the NFT space. So you don't want to miss that. Of course, we appreciate your thumbs up, your likes, your reviews, your favorites, all of the good things that make us smile. Like we could be sleeping fast asleep in bed. And when somebody writes a, a five star review, we know we feel it in our in our bones and we smile in our sleep to say thank you thank Mr. you we feel the we feel the shaking in the universe there and uh uh it, it, how fun man this is it's, life is great there's a lot of stuff that we can do in the crypto space to sort of help out people and we we've used this podcast here to to really help out people over the course of the years and and um you know educate and, and help help move people in the right direction and that's just kind of an extension of what's going on with, with the social. You know, our Telegram has over 12,000 people in it now. I did not. That's a lot of people. <laughs> well, we've been doing, we, we turned on the marketing and doing some airdrops and some other stuff. So we're getting some big community growing. So hopefully it's all working out, moving in the right direction. So Soul Shamans, S-O-L, shamans.com. Go look at the very bottom of the page. You'll see all the channels. And uh, if you're interested in some NFTs and some doing some good stuff, hit us up. <clears throat> we'll let you know when that episode of the nifty show comes out so you can get some more info about it and as we smile in our sleep when you give us those five-star reviews we quietly whisper back to you stay bad stay bad stay bad Bad
Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. I snore because I, I pretend that I'm a motorcycle. <laughs>